I grew up in it. I grew up in, you know, the dirty South or it's super racist, you know, but people don't know they're being racist. I know that sounds insane, but they're just so ignorant to it. Yeah. You know, and so I think it's about being patient and teaching yep. and loving people. Yep. You know, and yeah. I, I mean, I don't know. I think that's the only catalyst for change because what else are we going to do? Hello, friends. Welcome to the Let's Give a Damn podcast. My name is Nick Lapara. As always, I'm super thrilled you're here. Now, does the name Megan Lindsay ring a bell? It might in a moment. Because on Saturday, the 23rd of September, 2017, President Trump called for NFL owners to fire any, quote, son of a bitch, unquote, who disrespects our flag. That following day, hundreds of players knelt during the anthem, or some of them didn't even come out onto the field until the anthem was over. Megan Lindsay sang the national anthem at the Titans-Seahawks game here in Nashville on September 24th, one day after that tweet. And she did something at the end of the anthem that has caused quite a bit of stir, especially for a country music artist living, performing, and working out of Nashville, Tennessee, a city in the South. And if you think kneeling at games is wrong, kneeling at NFL games or any other sporting event is wrong, don't shut off the podcast just yet. I believe Megan does a great job presenting a balanced view and she speaks very clearly about why she did it. Now, this was a move because she's in Nashville and because she's in country music that could have had serious repercussions on her career. And to be truthful, her career has suffered because of those five seconds of kneeling. Truth is, standing up for what you believe doesn't always turn out wonderfully like it looks in the movies with inspiring music playing in the background. Our conversation, friends, is more timely than ever with the NFL's recent decision to punish any player or coach who kneels while the anthem is being performed. That just happened a few days ago. They had not yet made that decision when we recorded our combo a few weeks ago. So without further ado, let's get right into it. Here's my conversation with Megan Lindsay. Megan Lindsay, thank you so much for joining me on the Let's Give a Damn podcast today. Yay! I'm so excited. I'm excited and too. I'm excited to learn more about you, get to know you a little more, and talk about a pretty significant event that happened, whether you planned for it to be that way or not, a pretty significant event that happened in your life last September. Mm -hmm. So before we get to all of that, mm -hmm. why don't you give me some, give us some context for who you are? If I say, tell me your story, like any people, places, things, events that happened that formed you, who you are today, Give us a little bit of that context. Yeah. Um, well, I grew up in New Orleans, mostly Southern Louisiana. I moved to Nashville. We were talking about this earlier, like 14 years ago. So I've been here a long time. I've been doing music for a really long time. I started playing in bands when I was a kid and I played, you know, the bar scene in Louisiana and then, you know, bars on Saturday night and church on Sunday morning. And that was kind of, kind of the thing. That's kind it's of good the schedule. Yeah. It's a good, that's so Louisiana. Yeah. I'm sure. Um, Totally grew up in that in that world and then uh, moved here to pursue music when I was 18. So went to Belmont for a minute <laughs> and then uh, dropped out and just um, kind of worked the downtown scene in Nashville and just, yeah, I don't know. I was in a country duo called Steel Magnolia. Um, we were on a TV show years ago called Can You Duet? And we won the show and got a record deal. Oh, no way. Yeah. So that was kind of my first. So was that kind of your big pivot out of like the downtown scene, you know, the, yeah. the bar hopping thing to. Mm -hmm. That was kind of jumping into actually like 
playing music for a living, I guess, was when I, I signed my record deal in 2009. So I was in a, a duo with my ex-boyfriend. We were called Steel Magnolia, and we had um, we had some success. We had a top five on country radio, hmm. and then we had a couple more that did pretty good. And then my ex has had a lot of issues with substance abuse, and we weren't really getting along. And then it kind of just all imploded at a point, and he actually went to rehab. And then I continued um, our tour because we were actually slated to do the Reba McIntyre tour. And so I went out and did the tour while he was in rehab. And then we kind of just decided when he mm. got out that we were going to gonna split up. And so that's when I kind of started my solo thing. And that was the end of 2011. So You were on The Voice, right? Then I, Season then eight? I was, then I was on The Voice. Yeah, so yeah. How, did, how did that happen? You that, just tried out like everybody else? and um, No, it was interesting. I wasn't planning to be on another, because I had already done a reality right, show. Yeah. <laughs> you know, it's not something you really want to do twice. But um, I got a call. I was in the, it's so funny because I was in line at Panera Bread ordering food. <laughs> and uh, I got a phone call from a producer for The Voice. And she said that they had seen some stuff on YouTube hmm. and were wondering if I was interested in auditioning. And I was like, I don't know if I qualify, but I'll call you back because I was ordering. And then I checked out and my, um, my total was 1111, which is tattooed on my neck. Um, because it's Whoa. just fairly si significant for me. Cause every time I see it, I'm like, okay, I'm on the right track, which I've been seeing 11s like crazy lately. So I hope something really good's about to happen. But, I hope so too. <laughs> but so your um, total was 11-11 though, my which total, is pretty yeah, crazy. Yeah, right after I got the my total was 11-11. So I called her back and I was like, okay. I was like, when do I need to be there? And it's like a Friday and she's like, we're going to fly you here on Tuesday. And so I started that, that journey and it was like, it's like nine months. It's crazy. So I was out there back and forth and then once you get towards the end you're out there pretty consistently sure so it was a big hunk of my life and then um i ended up coming in second place so that was cool well, that's awesome yeah it was awesome it was really cool and this is when this was 2015 okay so, so not not too not long, long ago, ago. Three yeah years ago. season eight it feels like it was last year that's like time flies but <laughs> but yeah so i it was a it was cool i i was um really not expecting that i guess you kind of sometimes you just have to go with it you know you're like, okay, yeah. obviously this is what I'm meant to do right now. So yeah. I'm just going to do it. Yeah. So. Yeah. Well, that's cool. Thanks for some of that context. Yeah. Sorry. It's um, a lot. Probably. No, no, no. That's, <laughs> that's good. You can, you can tell as little or as much as yeah. you want to. So yeah. last few years have been pretty tumultuous in mm -hmm. this country, right? Uh, for, for lots of different reasons. Really, if you're, no matter what political side of the aisle you're on, you see the, the, the craziness mm -hmm. and a lot of it has been happening, um, as a result of, kind of the regime change yeah. uh, politically. And, you know, Black Lives Matter has been this huge thing, which I think you and I are on the same side of that whole conversation. Totally. Um, but yeah, it's been a crazy, like tumultuous, very volatile political and societal like climate in the US. And one of the things that our current president latched onto the last half of last year was, um, last few months of last year was uh, Colin Kaepernick and him kneeling in protest to police brutality and all the incredibly crazy things that are happening toward black people all the time. Still, I mean, it's not like it stopped. It's not no. like it went anywhere. <laughs> uh, I mean, just in the past few days, different video, those, those three filmmakers that were coming out of their Airbnb <laughs> right? and they didn't wave to the neighbors. So the white lady like called the cops on them and they had to do this whole thing. And anyway, like it's not, it hasn't gone anywhere. Right. But, right. Uh, but it's a, Big. It's a huge conversation. Yeah. On September 23rd, President Trump tweeted 
the NFL owners should fire any son of a bitch who disrespects our flag. Mm-hmm. So that was September, Saturday, September 23rd. Mm-hmm. Sunday was a big day for a lot of reasons. That was kind of like players and coaches and artists were kneeling all throughout kind of what was happening. But that right. was, it seems looking back on it, that was a big day. And I'm not a big, I don't claim to be a big sports guy. So I don't even know if there was any sort of correlation there. But there's plenty of evidence that many players uh, many teams didn't even come out, right? Which was the case at the game that you were at. Many teams knelt, even after the threat of yeah. uh, President Trump. Like they said, "Fuck it, like we're gonna we're gonna kneel, we're gonna not come out, we're gonna stand in solidarity with right. um, all these friends in our country." So then, on September twenty fourth, you were slated to sing the national anthem here in Nashville, Seahawks Titans game, and I have a lot of questions that we're gonna get into. <laughs> but walk us, walk me through. What was your process in figuring out if you were going to do that? How did you choose that you were going to do it on that day? I mean, it wasn't like you were alone. Stevie Wonder, Pharrell Williams, who was one of your, who was your first coach My on first The coach Office. On the Voice. Um, on, so yeah, did I say The Office? <laughs> you did. Um, the I, voice. That's a Freudian slip. I do love The Office. Um, but lots of artists knelt as well. Right. But why did you choose to do it? Give me, give us some context for why it was significant on that day for you to kneel. Um, and then I have plenty of questions after that. <laughs> you know, for me, I and I had been thinking about it for a while, um, even before, you know, Trump made the comments that he made. Because I had been slated. The thing is, you book these things. It's sure. like nine months in advance, right. you know. And so you knew for a while. I knew for a while I was singing. Obviously, I didn't know that it was going to be um, televised because it wasn't supposed to be. Um, so all oh, of that, interesting. I didn't know all that. of that yeah. changed that morning. <laughs> you know, for me, it, it just was a matter of of like, I'm thinking about it like I have this platform right now and I'm a white female and I don't feel like very many people, if anyone, anybody, I'm not even sure on that answer, but like I hadn't seen anybody that looked like me kneeling, you know? And so for me, I thought it was a really important moment to, um, you know, kneel in solidarity and to be an ally, you know? And so I live my life in a way that I'm like, okay, nothing's a coincidence. And and I feel really lucky to have the platform that I have. And so I always want to try to use it for good, you know? Yeah, no, absolutely. And, and you're right. Even the, some of the ones that I mentioned, Pharrell Williams, Stevie Wonder, I mean, Eddie Vedder, but like there, there were a lot of other uh, musicians of color and, 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 um, players of color that, that were doing it. Right. And that made, that made a ton of sense, but there weren't a lot of, and on top of that, here's the interesting thing is that you, out of anyone I know, you're a country artist right. in the South doing it. Mm-hmm. So that makes sense in a lot of other, in a lot of other ways, like if you're black or if you're from either of the coasts or, but you did that in a place where you had to know that I don't even know what it felt like in there. Maybe you can even describe what did it feel like to be in there? Were there booze? Were there like what happened in that? You know, you're you're literally like tens of thousands of people looking down on you. But what I think is so interesting is that you, a country music artist, where most of your fans are probably amazing people, but they probably were on the other side of this conversation. They're more the Blue Lives Matter or the All Lives Matter people versus the Black Lives Matter, and they probably. I guess, yeah. How did it feel to be someone, not only a woman, not only a white woman, but then a country music artist kind of doing that? That felt a little more bold to me. It felt yeah. a little more like there's some more risk. There's a lot more to lose here. Is, yeah, is, I guess, what I'm no, I at. felt I felt that, you know, and I knew that going in because I, 
I, I came from, you know, the country music world. I came up in Nashville. People know me in, in that world. And that's the majority of my fan base, you know, is country music listeners. Um, and that was part of the reason why it was, it felt more important to me to do yeah. that. You know, I think because, I mean, there was a time in my life when I was totally ignorant, you know, to the Black Lives Matter movement as well. You know, I yeah. grew up, you grow up in the environment you grow up in and you don't see the other side of it, yep. you know? And so for me, it's like, I got out of there. I got out of where I grew up and I, I met people from all over the world and I, I experienced things. And so I started to look at things differently. And I feel like a lot of people don't leave the environment they're in to have that opportunity to see the other side or they just don't want to know, you know? And so I know where... I guess these people are coming from. I don't agree with it, but I do understand it. I think probably more than um, than maybe you know other people do. And so for me, it was like, okay, I need to be an example, sure, you know, to these people that have this mindset and try to you know at least get a conversation going. You know, I think it, when they see me do it, it it makes it you know maybe it would make it mean more to them. You know, when you knelt down. Mm-hmm. What did you feel? What were you feeling in that moment? Were you feeling scared or proud of yourself or um, what the hell did I just do or all of the above? Or yeah, kind of what did you feel in that moment um, right when it happened? I was scared, obviously, to go out and do that because it is a weird, I mean, you're in this environment with, yeah. you know, in the South and all the things that you said. So it was, it was scary, you know, at the same time, it's like, you know what you got to do and you just do it. That's how yeah. I've always been. It's funny. I feel like I went to a very spiritual place mm. in that moment i could it wasn't like I, I couldn't really um i don't know how to describe it i mean i was definitely nervous and then i did it and i just felt it almost like it was like i felt at peace like i felt yeah, like a, yeah. a, a weight lifted like i knew people were gonna boo i knew people were gonna talk about me on the internet like, i just didn't care i guess you know it was more like okay that i did what i came here to do and i felt like also you know with with trump's comments the day before and then you know what was happening that day it was like you're making a statement no matter what you do like yeah. if you don't right. if kneel, you don't do it that's a statement you're aligning with or you'll be seen as aligning with yeah a certain yeah absolutely i feel like trump has made it that way obviously yes. it's very polarizing the way that he's he's um you know, position this whole thing. And so you, you really had, at that moment, you really had to make a decision, you know? And so for me, that was the only decision to make. What was the aftermath like? So obviously you get off the field, you, you know, whatever, high five each other. You're, you're you know, it's done. The, the act, the deed was done. It was a pretty significant thing, I think. Um, I mean, there are a lot of eyes on who's going to do what today, right? From both sides of the conversation. For sure. So talk about the aftermath. Um, I went ahead and did a little research just to see like, okay, what did people say, right? And I knew what I was going to find, but I went, you know, just found the different videos on YouTube and mm -hmm. looked at the comment section. Some pretty shitty things mm -hmm. have been said about you. Like what were some of the things that you, both good and bad, that you remember coming out of this experience? Yeah. Um, did you feel safe or unsafe or, yeah, kind of what was just the aftermath of that? Well, I feel like the negative always hits first, you know? I feel like that's all, that always comes in a wave first. And so that, it felt very, very negative right after. I felt mm. like I was getting more of the, um, you know, I had death threats, I had people wishing cancer on me, all this crazy stuff. Jeez. <laughs> Which, you know, it's so funny because I, I had just been living under a rock because I didn't realize that people were this volatile. Like, yeah. I didn't realize it because I just don't, I don't know. I can't imagine harming anybody. I can't imagine being right. that hateful. And so to me, I'm just like, oh, no one's like that. 
but they are. Yeah. Yep. <laughs> and I think obviously, you know, people of color experience this every day. You know, it just all hit me at a wave and at one time, you know, yeah. that kind of the kind of hate speech I, I was getting. And so it was rough, you know, and obviously you start to you're like, oh, man, what did I do? But at the same time, wouldn't go back, wouldn't change a thing. But it, it is it's it was rough, you know, for the first I don't know. I still get hate mail. Really? <laughs> yeah, for sure. But um, yeah, I just couldn't believe how hateful some people could be. You yeah, know? no, totally. It's insane. <laughs> I won't read any of those comments. I will read one comment that I thought was, I, I, I laughed. Mm -hmm. I laughed. This lady says, doesn't singing country music mean you respect our country and our flag? Mm -hmm. Can't believe she's saying country music and disrespects the flag and country and cares more about George Soros money. How's that George Soros money treating Right. <laughs> uh, Megan Lindsay, you have sold your soul to Satan and the Illuminati for fame. Uh -huh. Sad. So funny. I just thought that like that one obviously wasn't like, <laughs> I don't you're know not even going to take that seriously. I don't even know if I but, saw that one. <laughs> uh, that was, uh, I think that, uh, I don't remember what video or what article it was under, of but course. I just think it's so... You're very right. And I think it's partly social media. If you were to meet that lady, and that's what I, like in a few minutes, we'll get to, we need to get some solutions going, right? Right. Like we can't just stay in this state of why the fuck would you say that? Like, how do you, but those people, it's social media that does it. Because if you were to sit down with her, there's mm -hmm. no way she would look at you and say that. No. Let's grab a cup of coffee. Let's talk about it. She would never think of saying those to you. No. But it's a, it's a little like icon of your face. Uh, you can or cannot put your name there, and then you can just type whatever the hell you want, right? right. There's no repercussion because they can't see how right. it makes you feel. Not that that would make you feel bad, but like, and some of the other ones, like yeah. the cancer and the death threats and the whole what? Right. Like they can't see you sitting there, maybe reading that, thinking like, "What yeah. do I just do?" They don't right? think of you as a human. They just think it's like it's the internet, so it's cool. It's weird. What's so funny about a lot of these? acts, including the act that you did, the, the display of like courage and solidarity. I want to commend you on that because so many people, just like the people that have been attacking you, um, like, it's not like you said, like, fuck the military or fuck Donald Trump or right. there was no absurd right. gesture. There was no, um, there's no anything terrible about it. Right. Like you literally in the most calm and mature way possible. Like I've right. watched the video, like you just Took, took an A. You just sang the yeah. national anthem. And it wasn't like you said, fuck the national anthem. We're not going to sing this. Like you did it. You got out there and did it. It's a special song to our country. And then you just took a knee, right? Right. And so um, it's just so funny how we can take these things like to the nth degree. And, yeah. And it's just, they just demonize it. It's like, it was like a peace. It was a peaceful protest. It's like people are... People taking a knee are like protesting in the most peaceful way possible, you know, and it's being taken as like this this hateful thing. It's just very strange. So what would you say if, if any of your fans end up listening to this that may not be on the same side as you, right? They're like, ah, I don't agree with that, but I still like Megan. I'll keep listening to her music, whatever. Yeah. What do you say to them if they say, but that's so disrespectful. Like, what would your response be if they were to say, but that's so disrespectful toward the flag and toward the military, my Uncle Bob, my yeah. dad Joe, my, you know, my cousin Randy, like they're all military guys and you're disrespecting them. Like, what would you yeah. say to them? For me, it's just, it wasn't about that. That's not what's in my heart, yeah. you know? And so like, and my boyfriend, Tyler, who took a knee with me, I mean, his dad's in the Coast Guard is, you know, most of his family has been in the military in some, you know, fashion. And so, and it's interesting because a lot of, people in the military reached out to me after that to say 
thank you. Like, this is why we're over here. This is yeah. why we fight because it's, it's freedom of speech, you know? And it's, so it was not, it was not done in disrespect to the military clearly. Um, but not so clearly to some people, I guess, sure. but, um, you know, and I've done a lot of work with wounded warriors and, and I've, you know, met with kids of fallen soldiers and I've done that stuff. You know, I love the military. It's just, it's not about that. It's about, you know, it's, it's really about protecting our freedom of speech and protecting, you know, what this country is supposed to be about, you know? And so it's, it's unfortunate that that's where people's head go. I think it's, and I, I think that part of that is, you know, you have Trump to blame for that too. Yeah. Cause he, he kind he kind of made it about that. You know, he always tries to distract and, and make things, you know, work obviously in his favor and in favor of, you know, his extreme side, but yeah. Yep. <laughs> No, hundred percent. Well, let's, and we could probably talk for hours. Yeah, we could about talk that about man. that. But, but um, has this affected your career, either for good or for bad? Like, you know, there's always repercussions for the actions we take. And a lot of people listening are people that do give back. They do give a damn. They're trying to figure out how to mm -hmm. how to make the world a better place. And what I want to do is I tell a wide like swath of different kinds of stories because I want it. I want to make sure people know it's not all the same. It's not always going to be good. It's not always going to be bad. Mm -hmm. Like it's a beautiful thing, but beautiful doesn't mean not hard. And so I want to like share like some of the more difficult stuff. Like how has this affected you? Maybe you don't regret it like personally, but was there any part of you that was like, ah, oh, I just shot myself in the foot a little bit or yeah, kind of how's, mm -hmm. how's post September 24th, Megan's career yeah. um, versus pre. It's different. You know, it's been challenging. I mean, it, it I think that, the initial um, pushback hurt me just career wise because it's like I can't play, I can't play the same venues I was playing before. I really can't. And oh, really? So I'm not really. I mean, I don't have many gigs booked this summer just because of it. I think, and I, I had some things cancel on me, and so it definitely hit my bottom line as mm. far as working. But at the same time, it's like you you learn to reinvent yourself and you learn to figure out yep. other streams of income and you learn to figure out, okay, who are my people? And that's that's really the goal, I think, is to to find your people and find your tribe. And, and um, I'm finding, you know... A it's shifting, probably. A shift, yeah. Yep. It's, a sh it's kind of a rebirth almost. It's like... I'm, I, and I've never felt so... I guess free as an artist because at this point it's like okay now I've, I can say whatever I want I can talk about whatever I yep. want that was kind of the <laughs> yep that put you, you know? that people now have mm -hmm. in a good way probably at least for you like they've labeled you they know mm -hmm. where you stand on certain things so now yeah mm -hmm. some of that fear maybe to talk about different things like mm -hmm. that's gone because they know where I stand on this yeah no it's totally it's totally opened me up and really I feel more I don't know just as an artist I'm able to just be completely myself as when it comes to my music and my image and the things I'm talking about where as you know coming up in country music for so many years you're you're media trained out of that you know you can't talk about anything political especially when you're on a record label you know you'd be reprimanded real quick and so it's changed in a good way I think in that regard and um I'm figuring it out, you know. It's only yeah. been, I guess, that was in September, so it's it's been six, seven months. Yeah, yeah. it's been like the year of, of figuring out. Okay, what does my career look like now, and and how can I, um, how can I keep moving forward as an artist with the way things are now? So it's a good segue. What you just said. Mm -hmm. What what is the way forward? And here's what I mean by that. Mm -hmm. We're going to destroy ourselves as a country. Not that like I'm not under no illusion that I'm definitely not. You know, when people say "Make America Great Again," I'm like. For when, like, where do you want to go back to? Like, right. what, what time frame? Right. You mean the time frame that was good for you, better for you, maybe, 
But America's always had struggles. Like we literally came here and uh, we're not going to get into a history lesson, but we this right. country was founded on struggles and stealing and murdering and rapes yeah. and like all, like we were not founded in a peaceful way. We took a lot of things that we shouldn't have that we're still maybe paying for those sins today in many Absolutely. ways. And so I'm under no illusion that like something we need to get back to. I'm saying, how do we... I think these these kind of tumultuous times can do they can tear us apart or they can be kind of catalysts for good change. Right. And so in your opinion, how do we get out of this? How do we fix this? How do we move forward? How do you living in Nashville, Tennessee for 14 years in a place that is very like we live we were just talking about this before like we live in the only uh blue dot in the middle of a very red um, state, right, yeah. you know, uh, literally the only the only blue dot, and so, and not that that's it doesn't matter if you're blue or red, but I'm just saying that sometimes talk speaks to the ideas behind those people, and so, how do we fix this thing? <laughs> how do we move forward? It's hard, you know. I think it's really hard, especially right now. It's a it's a struggle. Um, I think for me, it's it's interesting. I've been doing these these studio tours and these secret shows in this, in the space that we're in now, but um, I get people from we just did one on Sunday and I had people from Florida and I had people from Canada and people from Boston and it just all over the country and, and, and Canada as well. And, um, it's funny cause a lot of them don't know that I did this. I took a sure. knee and so they're just meeting me for the first time. And I, and I feel like just, I know we all want to have these debates and we all want to argue. We want to be like, I'm right. You're wrong, sure. whatever, you know? And, and, and there, there is a time and a place for that. But I also feel like there's so much to just being kind yep. and showing love and people leave here and they're like, Oh, I love her. She was so nice. And, and then, you know, they probably go Google me and they're like, Oh, but she took a knee. Yeah. But I really liked her. Yeah. But she's really cool, but yeah. not, a, you know, and it's more about, I think, you know, realizing that we're all human in this struggle, <laughs> yeah. you know, and I mean, obviously there is evil out there, but I do feel like more so, I think people mean well. I mean, maybe I'm just totally delusional, but I, I find like when I'm, even when I'm talking to like someone, let's say that's super, um, redneck, you know, yeah. <laughs> again, yep. Trump supporter, I'm around a lot of yep. those people all the time. It's like, I can see there's a human in there and there's yeah. a heart in there and you know and it, it's it's they're not all bad i think it's just you know breaking the chain you know and breaking that you know the, the way that they've they've learned you know yeah. I, I grew up in it i grew up in you know the dirty south where it's super racist you know but people don't know they're being racist i know that sounds insane but they're just so ignorant to it yeah you know and so i think it's about being patient and teaching yep. and loving people yep you know, and yeah. I mean, I don't know. I think that's the only catalyst for change because what else are we going to do? You know? Well, all humans want slash need the same things. Right. Right. <laughs> the same things. Right. And so I could go and hang out with a, you know, a make America great again, hat wearing mm -hmm. like redneck, like you were just describing. Yeah. And we could agree right away that we are both, we want security. Right. We want safety. Right. And the way that he sees the safety taking place is second amendment. I can have all my weapons. I can do these things like mm -hmm. the police. They're always right. And I'm saying, but that all makes me feel unsafe. Right. right. So it's two sides. You know what I'm saying? Like yeah. we all have the same basic needs. We have to figure out how do we talk about them with each other? How right. do we not flip out every time we come up against right. something that we don't agree with? Because right. like you said, we are all humans 
everybody has, now we've all had like bad things happen to us and some more than others. And some of that shapes us in different ways. But I think, yeah, probably for, I could say the majority, for the majority of people, there's kindness in there. There's wanting to do good in the world. And we just have to figure out how do we make that conversation happen? How do we get together really and not talk like, why do we always have to talk about the political side of things, right? That's something I always think about with even some of my family members whom I love dearly that voted for Trump or, you know, different people in my life. It's like, why do we even have to, like, there are so many things that President Donald Trump can never touch in my life. Let's focus on those things, right? right? How many things can he just has, he has no say over most, if not all of what you do in your life, right? And so why do we always focus on those things and really label people in that way? So I'm, I'm a very... I'm learning as I get older, but I'm a pretty brash, like mm-hmm. over the top kind of person that's trying to calm down. Yeah. But I still agree with you yeah. that people are, there's goodness in there. There's kindness. Let's Somewhere. figure out. Yeah, no, totally. Right. <laughs> Somewhere. And sometimes it's hard, you know, and I've had to train. It's hard for me because I look at the types of people that I grew up with and I immediately am just like turned off mm-hmm. and I have to have to learn to not think like that because it's it I mean I don't want to be judged like that either you know and so it's really about getting to know people and we're so disconnected because we're all on our phones all the time and we're all you know there's all this social media stuff and it's like we're not we don't talk yeah so I think it's easy to get angry when you're not having any human connection like you said when people sending you death threats and stuff no one's going to say that to your face no but it's um some would but they're a very they're usually super loud yeah like this is what i've been trying to remind myself because i can look at the charlottesville riots right and the, right. i can look at all these things and say look how many terrible people there are out there mm-hmm. when really some of my really smart wise friends have rebuked me many times saying those people the ones that would say it to your face the ones that would look at you and give you a death threat they are so insignificantly small in number. Right. Right? Well, and it's easier when they're all band together too. Like if you ran into one of them in a coffee shop and you just started talking to them, it would be different, I think. You know, and obviously we see these viral videos of people that are being super racist on their own. Trust me, there's there are those people out there. I just think we see, obviously we're seeing it more because we do have such access to the internet and things go viral and, you know, so we're starting to see it, which I think is good because we need to see that that exists in the world. But I'll tell you this. I went down, I did a thing in Louisiana, I guess it was two years ago. I I did flood relief work and I, I grew up there and I know how bad the flooding can be down there. And so um, my friend and I started collecting stuff and we literally, it was just me and another girl drove like a U-Haul of of stuff down there and did this, um, you know, set up in a parking lot, met people, started giving things away. And we were in a very, you know, totally white community. And this black woman came to, to, uh, you know, see what we had or whatever. And I started talking to her and she's like, when you're done here, she's like, could you come to my neighborhood? Mm. And I was like, absolutely. You know, let me see. And so by the end of the day, we were completely out of stuff. And I found a, um, a church group that had a warehouse and, um, they were like, if you could bring your U-Haul here, we'll fill you up. And so I went there, they filled me up and I went to the black neighborhood and to be fair, they're both talking about each other during sure. <laughs> during this process, yeah, you know, yep. both sides of the of the fence here, and and it it's so interesting because you get in that situation and you're dealing with people who literally have nothing, who've just lost everything, they don't even have a bed to sleep on, and it's like at the core we are so similar. You know what I mean? It's yeah. like we're all there. Nobody's dealing with tragedy 
differently. Like everybody's process is the same when you're down to nothing, Mm -hmm. you know? And so I don't know. It's just interesting how I feel like when you strip it down and you just look at people, you know, you realize like we're not that different. No. You know? No, we're not. I'm proud of you. I'm proud of you for doing that. I really am. (laughs) I think, I think there was a lot at stake and you shared some of that, that some of the repercussions of that and sometimes giving a damn is super simple. It's handing out a meal to a homeless person. It's volunteering for this thing. And sometimes it affects, like you said, your bottom line. It affects your bank account. It affects how much work you have the next year, right? Like a summer free, like that's probably when you want to be doing stuff the most and boom, all that's gone partially or entirely because of this thing. And so um, here's my last, well, my, my second to last question. And this one has a hypothetical part and a not hypothetical part. The not hypothetical part is that someday you're going to die. This is a question that I ask every podcast guest. Someday you're going to die. Hopefully it's many, many years from now. The hypothetical part is that I've been asked to give you a eulogy for some odd reason. So all of your fans and your friends and your family, everybody that you've helped and loved and served and been around for your life, they're there in this big, humongous room to honor and celebrate and mourn your life. And again, hypothetically, for some odd reason, I'm giving your eulogy. What do you hope that I would say about your life and your legacy on that day? <laughs> for me, it's it's about being bold and being real and, you know, hopefully, um, you know, being a catalyst for change. You know, that's my goal. My goal is to love people and to be it's funny, this woman came up to me, I was at the doctor's office with my dad like last year. My dad's been really sick in and out of the doctor and hospital mm. and stuff. And this black woman was sitting there across from me and she just kept looking at me and she didn't know me. She came up to me right before I went back and she's like, can I just um, talk to you for a minute? And I was like, sure. And she brought me in this hallway and she hugged me and she goes, I just have to speak this over you because I'm just feeling it right now. And she was like, I just see you being a bridge. She's Mm. like, you're going to be a bridge for change. And she was like, and you're going to unite people from both sides. And I didn't know what she meant by that. Obviously, I context. No, no context out of nowhere. Didn't know me. She goes, I just feel it, you know, and it was a real, I mean, I had, I had full body chills. Like it was a definite like moment, um, like a God moment for sure. And, um, and I, and I kind of knew what she meant, but I kind of was like, I didn't realize in what capacity she meant I guess and so you know at the end of the day like that's I think that's the goal you know is to be a bridge and to you know to make a change in the world you know be a light yeah leave the world better than when we found it leave the world better what's all we got yeah it's true yep and we yeah we wanted to not just survive but thrive for future generations we want to be around for them we want it to be a kinder better place absolutely when they get here for for my kids and for yeah just the next generations before we say goodbye, obviously people can Google you and find your music and if they don't know about you yet or whatever, but is there anything else that you want them to go look for? Anything that's coming up or anything you want them to be aware of? Yeah. I just, I actually just wrote this song called Freedom Fighter. We're getting ready to put it out as a single. Oh, cool. But um, I, I'm really excited about that. And I, I partnered with this movement. I don't know if you've probably heard of it. It's called We Counter Hate. Yeah. Yep. Yeah. So it's kind of a cool thing the way they, they've built it out. I guess it's, it's more or less an algorithm where they can find where people are spewing their hate speech or whatever anybody who says something hateful on the internet and they kind of, they get pinged yeah they get a tweet and they say you you know you've been reported for hate speech and then they donate to a hate speech organization and so or you know what a, an organization that um 
you know, to fight hate on yeah. the internet or whatever. So it's kind of a really cool cause. And so I'm really excited to, to partner with them. And then, and that's kind of where I, I see that's where my career is headed, I guess. Is yeah. More... I was, I was going to ask if it affect and mm-hmm. you're, you're giving the answer right now. Like, is mm-hmm. that going to affect like what you write about and kind of, yeah. cause yeah, what you feel as an artist, like mm-hmm. how you feel and the experiences you have, that's what you write about. And so, so write this about. is, yeah. Yeah. And it's kind of just, it's kind of what I've always wanted to do, I guess, as an artist and be as an artist, but it, it has and always been you know I haven't always had that opportunity I guess or felt the freedom that I have now and so I do notice it it's changed my writing a lot and changed the songs that I think I'm getting ready to put out a lot and I was headed on that trajectory but now it's just it's wide open that's awesome you know that's awesome when is that coming out do you know soon soonish okay soonish so this will will, our conversation will be like a month from now so If it's not out yet, I'll still link to where it's going to be. If it's cool. out, I'll link to it in the show notes. Thank Great. you so much for yeah, joining me. This was thank super you. fun. And thanks this was for fun. what you do and uh, keep up the good work. Yeah, thank you. Friends, thanks for joining Megan and me. I hope this was helpful. I hope it was inspiring. I hope it was informative. I hope you learned a little bit. For this conversation especially, I'd love to hear your feedback. Email me your thoughts at hello at nicklapara.com or hit me up on Twitter at nicklapara. Tag Megan in the tweet if you tweet at me. Maybe she'll jump in on our discussion. By the way, she is Megan Lindsay everywhere. That's at M-E-G-H-A-N-L-I-N-S-E-Y. Megan Lindsay everywhere. You can find show notes, links for everything I've mentioned, and this and many other conversations by visiting podcast.letsgiveadam.com. If you go to letsgiveadam.com now, you'll find a teaser for something that we're building for you. Make sure to drop your email at letsgiveadam.com so you can get regular updates. Very, very exciting days ahead. I can't wait to spend more time with you next week when I have the chance to share another story of another damn giver that without a doubt will inspire you toward action. I love you all. Bye for now.